Not heard the latest about pooping prime ministers? What podcast have you been listening to? Because it definitely isn't the Totally Buzz podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and totallybuzz.co.uk. So what are you waiting for? Tune in now to hear all the latest news from around the web on the Totally Buzzed podcast, the only place to be totes buzzed. Football beef! Disclaimer, the following is an opinion-based podcast. Welcome to Football Beef, the podcast where we take a player and hash out all those debates about them that have not only dominated social media, but pub chats. I'm your host Laura, and this week we look at Tim Cahill. Here's a recap of your need-to-know Cahill facts. Tim Cahill, Quick Facts, Clubs, Millwall, Everton, New York Red Bulls, Shanghai Shenhua, Hangzhou Greentown, Melbourne City, Millwall and Jamshapur. Senior debut, May 2nd, 1998, v Bournemouth. Club football total appearances and goals, 550 games and 139 goals. Retirement, March 2019. Club honours, League One winner, 2000-2001 season. Football League, second division, before rebrand. MLS supporters, Shield winner, 2013, FFA Cup. 2016. Personal Honours, PFA First Division Team of the Year 2003-2004. Everton Player of the Season 2004-2005. Everton Players, Player of the Season 2004-2005. Ballon d'Or nominee 2006. Oceana Footballer of the Year 2004. MLS Best XI 2013. MLS All Star 2014. ESPY Award. Best MLS Player 2014 FIFA Puskas Award Nominee 2014 Office of the Order of Australia 2021 International 108 Caps 50 Goals Australia Notable Fact In June 2013, the Cahill Expressway in Sydney was temporarily renamed the Tim Cahill Expressway in his honour ahead of the Socceroos 2014 FIFA World Cup qualification match against Iraq. Here to debate Tim Cahill, it's Tommy the Professor Football Manager Pittman. Hi Tommy, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Ready to do the old Tim Cahill celebration, but instead of the corner flag, I'm doing it on this podcast. Wonderful. And also here is John the Geordie Messiah Squires. How are you doing, Jonathan? Thanks, Laura. Thanks for having me here. Excited to talk about Timmy Cahill. First question for you to debate is, did Tim Cahill get the credit he deserved given all his accomplishments, such as his Ballon d'Or nomination? I think so. I, th- I mean, I don't know if I would have given him a, a Ballon d'Or nomination, to be honest. Like, he he was, did very well for Everton, but, I've, well, I mean, loads of players get nominated for the Ballon d'Or, don't they? Like, what, it's a short list of a lot of players... And then there's yeah. a top three, and that's what anybody remembers. Yeah, no one cares about the person, even the person who finished fourth. No one cares about them at all. And yeah, to be no honest, one cares. No one remembers. I didn't even know you got nominated for the Ballon d'Or. I, I didn't either. But it's what it's one of those weird ones that like you'll look back and like it's the it's the pub quiz kind of thing. Is I'm trying to think of somebody else recently who's probably been on like the shortlist for the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. Like there was probably somebody when Leicester won the league that was like you're like really they, yeah. they were on the shortlist for it or Danny Simpson. Imagine. Exactly. It'll be <laughs> it'll be per- perfect answer for pointless though. Like Ballon d'Or nominations, 
Yeah, Tim, Cahill. Tim Cahill. Yeah. Nobody's going to say Tim Cahill. And I think that that's the thing. Like, I, I, he was never, I would say, like one of the best players in the world. Like, I, I don't like using the word limited very often because I feel like it's a bit harsh to describe a footballer as limited. Yeah. Like, especially for me who probably has the technical ability of somebody who would play at like the 18th tier at best <laughs> of, of, of football probably even lower than that um but I don't know, like he, he was effective in the system that Everton used and the way that they needed him him, him to be effective. He was obviously a good player for Australia, but I I, I don't think probably deserved a Ballon d'Or nomination. Basically going to agree with everything you've said because like I was thinking before even we started that he was a very limited footballer who was like obviously not limited, but you know what I mean in his ability compared to other top players. But what he did, he did very well. But again, I don't know if it's because he was sort of playing in an Everton team who were probably who were probably having their best time in the Premier League at that point. I'd probably say. I'm assuming that's probably what when David Moyes was in charge. 2006. It would have been. I guess if he nominated for it in 2006, that would have been during the 2006-2007 season. Yeah. So like a couple of years after they'd finished fourth, when they were con- consistently sort of like challenging around yeah. that kind yeah. of area of the table. And I think that's probably that's probably why he got more no- noticed. I think because of he was playing in an in an Everton team who were probably enjoying their most successful years for quite some time. Yeah. And obviously he was kind of the focal point of all that because I mean I still thought he was a central midfielder, but he did play up front quite a bit for Everton. Um, so he was kind of the focal point of of what they did so yeah so maybe that's possibly why he got it because he was part of a team enjoying their best spell and there's always focus put on it for like the national team achievements as well and like obviously Australia would have been at the World Cup like he did well at the 2006 World Cup I'm pretty sure so it would have been things like that as well I suppose so I I think he he gets the kind of recognition that he deserves like I don't think he's somebody who when you think of like a Premier League 11 or something like that that you would ever like really consider putting him in in terms of like the the best 11 I think if you were talking about something very specific <laughs> that Tim Cahill could fit into, you would probably put him in yeah, some you, kind of conversation. If you were going for Premier League eleven, who would score goals with only with their head? Yeah, I just don't think he's sort of somebody that he deserved more recognition necessarily, or he deserved like a big move that he never got. Like, like I think if if he had done, he would have. You know, he would have played a role in whatever team he went to, but he probably wouldn't have been as effective as he was for Everton. And I think he, you know, maybe just for the kind of, I don't know if, if saying the impact for Australian football is a bit, again, kind of like demeaning, demeaning towards Australian football. But, you know, I'm sure he had quite a big status as like a footballing icon for Australia. Yeah, um, you'd assume so, because obviously... He did, he did score a lot of goals for Everton. Yeah. So obviously he was probably on a lot of highlight reels for them. So seeing an Australian on the highlight reels, we'll, obviously we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and obviously sort of playing at several World Cups and one of his goals in particular at a World Cup. But I don't know. I just think that for, for what, what he did... In, in general in the Premier League in Australia like obviously I'm sure he probably would have wanted to win some trophies as most people do but you know I, I don't think he was sort of due more recognition or, or more credit than, than than what he 
got really like he was always the, a player for Everton that people would look at and go oh he's he's a danger we've got to do something about him and you know was sort of very much a, a model Everton player at that time for sort of like the the David Moyes kind of football yeah. style so I, I think he's he gets the credit he deserves really yeah no I, I pretty much agree with that to be honest I don't like we said earlier on he's he's limit he's he's not limited but he is limited and again I hate using that as well but yeah it's he had his level he had his game and it was very mm. effective and yeah and I think that worked with the kind of team he was playing in if he'd got a big money move to to another team would it have worked out as well because the way I kind of see it is you look at Fellaini when Fellaini came to Everton he yeah. was kind of seen as the the kind of not the Tim Cahill replacement because it was a long time after that but kind of the next kind of player who plays a little bit like Cahill you know he plays yeah. in the field well, but he's they, very good they in the kind of feel like they would have been still playing at Everton for a bit at the same time like maybe like a season or two but like it kind of ended up being like almost like a strike partnership really of of Cahill and Fellaini because yeah. that was sort of his style and like, saying some like they've got limitations to their game like I think when you put it like that, it's phrasing. But I think you said it like he he had the things that he was effective at, yeah. and he knew how to do that. Like in the same way, like we discussed Iron Robin a couple of weeks ago. Like he had obviously like he had m- maybe slightly more to his game than Tim Kaye in terms of, like the technical ability, but he had that thing that he did that he was very good at, and he was very effective doing that. And it was kind of the same for. Cahill I guess and there's nothing wrong with that if you know that you're good at that and especially if that's how the team is kind of built to to help you with that then you know that's that's your game there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that yeah but the, he, the team was built up for him to succeed and for the team to succeed based on his success yeah I think and just going back to like Fellaini Fellaini got that big money move to Man United and it didn't really work out because they didn't play that style of football and when they yeah. did play that side of football, it actually did work. But because that was kind of the route one kind of football that you wouldn't play if you're a top six Champions League, mm. you know, chasing team, he never really got the chance. I mean, I, I don't like Fellaini anyway. Sorry if you're listening to this, um, Mr. Fellaini, but wasn't if a you're listening, Maran. Sorry about that. Yeah, but again, like he had his he had his game, and when he went to Man U, it, it didn't fit in with the style of football they played. And I think maybe maybe that's why Tim Cale didn't get the big money move because he was he had his niche, and his niche was playing for a, an underdog team fighting to to sort of qualify for you yeah. in a certain style of football. Yeah, I suppose when you phrase it like that, I guess there's an argument to be made, but about him sort of not getting the credit. But I feel like that speaks more to the kind of. T- typical style of play that you see like the big in inverted commas rich teams playing where it is more possession on the ground like a very particular style of play that players like Tim Cahill generally aren't like yeah. as effective in yeah he was, still, um, he was still decent he still had good good feet yeah but his strength like, obviously was... he, he, he played in the Premier League he was very much like an English kind of number 10 in terms of like he was uh, attacking to get into the box to drive to try and score goals rather than sort of like the technical yeah. kind of more European South American yeah. style of drop the shoulder a few step overs beat a few players play the yeah, like, the yeah. Th- thread the through ball that yeah. only they could they could see or the pass that only they could see and again there's nothing wrong with that I just think yeah sort of like it's 
um, I guess you did kind of see a bit of that style, but they had sort of like a bit more to them. Like obviously Gerard, when he played sort of behind Torres, was more of the the, the English number ten, kind of more like a second striker attacking midfield rather than like a traditional number ten. And yeah. Deli Ali when he was at his best at Tottenham, but I, I don't know, they're still very different players to what Tim Cahill was, and I think that's probably more of like a a wider discussion of those types of players who are a bit you know not as silky or elegant like they they look a bit rough around the edges that maybe don't always get the the moves that maybe there you you see for some of the other players at those teams who are as important but they just look a bit smooth like Arteta moving to Arsenal yeah you didn't, know he was didn't Graveson go to Real Madrid probably from the yeah Graveson, yeah yeah Graveson went to Real Madrid yeah like things like that like you don't tend to see those players making those moves either because the team they play for is a bit more combative in general and people look at them and go oh well, you know does this player really going to fit in for us particularly sort of like the the forward players I think when they are of a particular style but I think again I think that's more of like a general football kind of focus on the on the pretty stuff on 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 the big teams and, and less on those other things rather than like specifically for Tim Cahill not you know saying that oh well he should have been nominated for the Ballon d'Or more he should have won like a a Premier League player of the year thing like I, I think what he what he got in terms of the recognition and credit, I, th- I think is appropriate. But yeah, interesting way of looking at it. I think that you know those types of players don't get the same praise, maybe yeah. or the same attention. Yeah, because I think a lot, a lot of them they're not, they're not seen as playing sexy football. Mm. Other they're effective, but they're not seen as playing that attractive football. And again, you know, back in back probably even before Tim Cahill's time, an old fa- like you said, an old fashioned English number ten like him. You know, people would be lapping it up because how many people love love seeing a centre half go in for a, a crunching challenge? Yeah. And if you do that now, the other player rolls about 10, 10 feet down the touchline, and you get yellow carded for it. And then again, maybe another discussion is if Tim Killer played now, would he would he be as good? Because would he get booked all the time for being too physical? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, being too physical. I think I th- I think he. I'm trying to think how I want to make this point because I realised that it doesn't actually matter because he never sort of went on from Everton but I was I was gonna say like, oh well when he was playing sort of you would tend to see clubs maybe a bit more signing a player based on like reputation and form because oh they did really well for this team and, and now you don't see that so much because they recognize well we play this particular style but I think it's kind of a moot point actually given that he just played for Everton yeah and he didn't sort of go on to like a a, a bigger team like he didn't move I say it again bigger he didn't move on to like Chelsea or Arsenal or something like that yeah. where which to be fair I think if he played under Mourinho Mourinho might not have disliked him <laughs> as a player given sort of how he used Fellaini when he was at United but yeah, yeah maybe his impact would have been slightly reduced with VAR and the way that the game has gone slightly and being slightly less physical I, I think it still would have been have a wider discussion on about a lot of players like obviously probably a few that we've talked about in football beef even Shearer as well and stuff like that yeah potentially add that one to Laura's list (laughs) you think you think the same then you think that the credit that he got was kind of appropriate for what he did yeah I don't yeah he didn't like like I said, he didn't he didn't tear up trees he had his he had his strengths and he was good at playing to those strengths again I'm not like about like we said earlier, Ballon d'Or nomination. I'm not going to begrudge him for it because lots of yeah. people get nominated for it, and you never remember anyone outside the top three. So 
Yeah, Sadler, probably... it was it was he was one of one of the fifty nominees. Fifty for the Ballon d'Or. So, <laughs> thank you. You raised some good points. Shall we move on to debate number two? Is Cahill Australia's greatest ever footballer? Oh, I think it's a tough one. Like, I don't want to sound offensive to Australians, but there's not. Are you not... going to say it's a small pool? We're pretty much like if if we had this discussion like about a Spanish player, is it? are they the greatest Spanish footballer ever? You know, you could go through lists and lists and lists of Spanish players and probably everyone would argue on it, but like, yeah. with multiple different ones. But for yeah. Cahill in Australia, I mean, you know, he scored, what, a goal every two, nearly every two games for them, I think it was, 108 caps, 50 goals. So, I mean, he's done well there in an Australian team that's probably not that good. But then you've got you've got a few other Australians, you know, one like Mark Schwarzer, you know he had a he had a very long career in the Premier yeah. League. Yeah, um, he did. Viduka, he again a bit like Cahill. He was very not limited again, but he was he had his strengths and he played very well to them. And on yeah. his day, he was a very Unstoppable. good striker. Yeah, that's obviously he played at Newcastle for a little bit. And on his day, probably when he was slightly past his his yeah. peak, he still you could see he still had it, but he just yeah. didn't have that that bit that he had previously in his career. So probably because at that point Newcastle were on a bit of a downward trend. Yeah, probably well, didn't help him. He was in the relegation. He was yeah when he in went the down. Team yeah, and you've got like is it Harry Harry Kuehl as well? But the only thing I think of when I think of Harry Kuehl is injury. That's literally all I think of when it comes to Harry Kuehl. And then there was what Brett Emerton, who was at Blackburn, I think. Yeah, Lucas Neal. Was yeah. It? So, I'm pretty sure he was Australian. Was was he not New Zealand? I th- I think Ryan Nelson was the New Zealand person. I'm pretty sure. Lucas Neal, yeah, Australian soccer. Player. He was Australian for a second. I went, oh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he was Australian, but I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Was obviously, I'm sure he... going back further than that, there are other notable Australian players that couldn't, we couldn't name them. Yeah, and you've got obviously yeah, yeah. Mark Bosnich, yeah. who. Yeah, it's probably more remembered for his uh, his drug exploits, which we won't go into. Yeah, his extracurricular activities, shall we yeah. say? So it's like when you, and they're probably the most well-known Australian footballers. And to be honest, it's I don't want to say it's picking the best of a bad bunch because they are they are very good players, all of them yeah. in their own right. But I mean, I'd say he probably is the best because of the goals that he scored. But then, obviously, Mark Schwarzer was a very good Premier League goalkeeper. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a tough one. I think I think for me it's probably between them two for best Australian player, and it depends what you're judging it on because again they're completely different players. Yeah, obviously it's very hard to compare a goalkeeper to uh, an attacking midfielder slash forward. Yeah, yeah, I think in in terms of probably like technical ability, he probably wasn't the best like player just because you had people like Harry Kuehl, yeah, who were very good technically in terms of like I'm a, obviously had a very long career just in general Tim Cahill not playing at sort of like the top level like maybe Schwarzer did for such a long time yeah. but again like you say comparing a goalkeeper to a forward yeah. like a goal scorer attack midfielders I think it's easier for it's... a goalkeeper to have longevity as well like you look at yeah. Van der Sar for you know he's playing until he was over 40 mm. and obviously a more of a, an attacking player you know he he obviously played for a, a yeah, while. You've got, but... Yeah, a more, I mean, you've got a more limited 
peak because of the the physicality required i think particularly for somebody like tim cahill not that he was like obviously like a particularly explosive player but he relied on physicality in another way yeah. and i was like moving out of the premier league in 2012 to mls obviously that's quite a long time ago so he was still early 30s and obviously still did well in mls but you know it's not the same level of, of competition and then sort of moving out of even sort of like that level back to australia into china back to australia down to mill for a little bit of the heroic return sort of when he was like 38 39 ish yeah. and he still had a very long career but I, I i would probably say that he probably is like to say something in terms of like his his goal record for australia like being the second highest capped player one behind mark schwarzer yeah being being the top goal scorer for australia for australia and you know scoring those goals in the world cup like his goal in 2006 was australia's first goal or or he was the first australian to score so they might have been own goals but yeah you know that's quite a, a a big thing i think like i said if depending on what you're looking at it could look at it one of many ways like i say if you're going like oh is he the their greatest ever footballer in terms of technical ability they probably not because they probably have had other players who were technically better at him like better dribblers passes whatever but i i i think it would be very harsh to say that somebody else who was better maybe slightly better technically or better dribbler better pass whatever was a, a better footballer in general yeah. um i i would probably say that he is um their greatest ever footballer so far yeah, so far. There's a lot of Australian talent coming through that I can't name, but there'll be a lot of it. Yeah, and you, you never know who's going to be the next the next big thing. Yeah. If, if football manager regens or anything to go by, there's <laughs> bound to be a really good Australian at one point that, that comes in and just absolutely tears, tears the place up. Yeah, I think if, if Harry Kuehl hadn't had so many kind of injuries or when he was at his peak, I feel like there would potentially be an argument to be made there mark schwartz potentially as well like i say sort of such a long career at, at a very high level very good goalkeeper most cap player as well there, there's a, an argument to be had for that i think i'd probably put cahill at the top obviously with my hugely extensive knowledge of australian football and australian <laughs> footballers yeah I'd, I'd, I'd probably agree i know i said it was between cahill and schwartz but Again, kind of like what you said, you know, he is, he is top goal scorer. He's got one less of the record caps and he was just around for so long playing in the position that he played. Yeah. And again, like like I said, Harry Kuehl, he's, he's just known for injuries. But you look at some clips of him and obviously he probably is the best Australian technically. Mm. But again, his, his injuries probably hampered, hampered that. Because I think he only made... Did he make about 60 caps for Australia, I think? Around about there? something like that, yeah. So obviously injuries affected that because imagine them two playing a bit more consistently together in the same Australian team. Probably be a little bit different, maybe. But yeah, no, I, th- I think I'd go with... I think as well, you, you have to kind of look at sort of like their impact and kind of like importance to a team. Like, again, I'm sure if Harry Kiel had been fitter or had got had got luckier with injuries, um, rather than saying had been fitter, because that implies that he was fat and out of shape. Yeah. Like if he'd, <laughs> if he'd been slightly less injury prone or if he'd been lucky with injuries his impact or his importance might have been greater yeah. but the, the yes he was, didn't really yeah exactly he was very he was very good for Leeds when he went to Liverpool he was 
in and out, inconsistent, injured. He sort of probably tailed off from that top level quicker than Cahill did. Yeah. And I think obviously like Cahill's impact on Everton was huge when he was there. His impact on Australia was was huge. Like I don't think you would look at them probably for the national team and go, yeah, they're, they're on the same level historically, yeah. even if it's just because of the number of caps or goals or whatever it is. I think just adding to what you said there, if he took Cahill out of a Millwall Everton Australian team, they'd probably struggle. Like if Cahill mm-hmm. had the injury record of Kuehl, they'd probably struggle a lot more. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably another thing as well, that how, how well the teams would the team cope without them and I don't think yeah. Australia probably would have coped I don't think Everton would have had as much success as it did without them as well yeah, yeah. I think I think as well there's there's something to be said in it for the actual skill set of those players like not not that any one player is particularly easy to replace but I think with the, the things that Tim Cahill was good at and the way that ever that Everton team were set up I think it would have been difficult to find somebody to replace him without like fundamentally changing a lot of what they were doing and that's historically been quite difficult for teams that they go you know what we're associated with this style of football we're going to change it ends up going badly somewhere along the line like they either try and do it too quickly or they're just bad at it i think it's easier to maybe not the same level as somebody like you but to have a player of a more similar skill set in that position than it is to have somebody like tim cahill in that kind of position yeah because Newcastle kind of found that when she retired, they never replaced them. And to be honest, they still haven't. But now the style of football is changing a little bit. It's changed progressively a little bit now. So they're not relying on that kind of player as much because Newcastle were known yeah. for the number nines. And I think yeah. Everton were kind of known for that as well, in a way. I say number nine, obviously yeah. Tim Cahill wasn't. But a player like Tim Cahill or, you know, yeah, exactly. they were kind of known for that. And that's how they played. And to be honest... Even, even Wayne Rooney, I think you could kind of put into that in terms of his sort of like the physicality kind yeah. of side of his game and, and how he used what he had, like maybe not quite as effective in the air, but he was a like a, a hustle and bustle, physical kind of player at that point when he was younger. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's I think that's fair enough as well. So yes, yeah. greatest ever player for Australia so far. Yeah. Where's the next Tim Cahill? Nobody knows. <laughs> Coming soon. Coming soon to coming soon to a soccer pitch near you. <laughs> so the final question we're going to debate about Tim Cahill today, guys, is Tim Cahill one of the greatest bargain signers of all time in Premier League history? Considering Everton paid only one point five million for him in two thousand and four. I, th- I think it's hard to argue otherwise. Like, I mean, oh, obviously, there's lots of free transfer signings or loan signings who are very good. But I, th- I think if you if you if you took all of them out because obviously free signings are never fully free and all, all of that nonsense, particularly yeah. now. But I think when you consider sort of like m- money paid compared to like the the impact on a team and their longevity as well, like that's 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 almost as good as it gets really. One and a half million, which even in two thousand four was like peanuts really obviously if you sign somebody for 1.5 million now you'd be like oh well they must be awful like or we must have signed them from like a tiny team where you get like 16 17 yards going for way more than that now yeah. well i think but... we, we signed Jose perez for more than that when he was exactly yes yeah yeah like i'm trying to think sort of like other players i mean the the first one that comes to mind is seamus coleman <laughs> costing like what three hundred thousand or something and being part of 
like the Everton team for so long. Yeah. How um, much was um, Andy Robertson to Liverpool? Eight million. So he eight million. But I mean, he, arguably he was kind of less than that because Kevin Stewart w- went to Hull for like around the same amount of money. I want to say so. It's it's not even as if we like really sort of paid all of that ourselves. He was kind of like it was offset by that. Yeah. What we got? Just looking through a list compiled by Talksport, the <laughs> best sort of, like bargain signings. But I can't. I, like straight away I mean, when I saw that, I, I thought he cost them quite a bit more, to be honest. And even then, he probably would have been worth a lot more than one and a half million. Um, like a lot of people go for, do you know when they compare like when strikers are doing quite badly, and it's like, oh, the striker cost seventy million. He scored two goals. That's thirty-five million per goal. Like I don't even want to work out the Tim Cahill one because it's probably a very good number for him. Like he cost a thousand pound per goal or something like that. Yeah, it wouldn't be a thousand, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, a yeah. lot of people use that kind of comparison, or like, yeah. And I think one point five million for a player who probably give Everton pro- probably the best what three, four, five years of football. Yeah, of what well, in, in, of, of in, in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was a big contributor to that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably There's... the best thing you can get. Yeah. There's 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 quite there's quite a few good good shouts on this on this list by Talksport. To be fair, having looked at this, I don't think he would be the best. Partly because I think sometimes I look at signings things like that through like uh, the the business point of view. Of, okay, we signed them for this much. How much did you sell them for? And obviously, some things on there like Nicola and Elka going to Arsenal for five hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, and then they sold him for fat stacks to Real Madrid. Yeah, like and there's. But that, that, uh, obviously there's some other good ones. Denver Bar to Newcastle United for free. It's a free transfer, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's a good one. But I think even then, sort of like I look at it from the point of view of you know their their impact on that team, and you know Newcastle had one really good season with Denver Bar, yeah. And when Papa Cisse joined in January, and then it kind of tailed off. Like he he had an impact on the team for a short time, but not long term. I wouldn't say he he's not the best probably, but I think he's he's definitely one of the. Yeah. I think it's better that he's one of the greatest. There's, there's, prob- there's probably some better ones that we've not even come across or thought about because like you can see, oh, say I- one point five million, but you could go up to sort of three or four million for a, a player who's won titles and stuff like that. Yeah. Or some of the ones just ju- just for our our listeners at home, if they want to have a think themselves, they've got on this talk sport list uh, as Pelaqueta to Chelsea for seven million. Yeah. I guess in terms of again what he's done, obviously like ten years now he's been there. It's that 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 is a is is a bargain. Sammy Hoopy is on there to Liverpool for two point six million. I would argue that he's up there the considering how long he. Two point six million, yeah. I think a lot of this always comes down to like where you buying them from as well. Yeah. Obviously, Tim Cale was coming from Millwall. He's not going to cost a huge amount of money. No, because Millwall um, will probably got... desperate for money at that point. Right? Yeah, or, or it's not the kind of thing that they're going to be able to really play hard. But like, there would have been a recognition. Okay, you've got a Premier League team coming in for you. Sure, we're not going to stand in your way. Yeah. Like, they've got company on there for six million, yeah. which again, in terms of impact, yes. But you know, you're spending what's that like three over three times the that's you could buy three Tim Cahills for that money and have change left over. So yeah. is it really that much of a bargain? But yeah, I, I I'd say he's he's definitely up there, especially if, if you say sort of like in terms of like fee paying ones, because obviously yeah. again, 
thinking about it from Liverpool's point of view, Matip was free, Milner was free, pretty good free transfers. Yeah. But I think in terms of like fee paying ones, and when you think about the, like I say, the the impact that they had on that team and what they wanted to achieve, unfortunately for Everton, not necessarily in terms of winning things, unfortunately for Tim Cahill, not in terms of winning things, but you know, when they're up against the financial might of some of the other teams and, and the squads that some of them had, it, yeah. it was success, especially compared to like a few years before when he, well, before he joined, when they were just about escaping the drop yeah. and things like that. I would, I would definitely put him up there. Yeah. I'd say for 1.5 million. And like I said, he, he probably transformed Everton's probably standing in the Premier League as well. Yeah, he would have been a big part of it, along his, with the way his Morgan. goals dragged them up the table. Mm. And obviously, the they finished above Liverpool, didn't they? Uh, yeah, in two thousand four, five. Season, yeah, they season finished you won the fourth. Champions League, wasn't it? They finished fourth, and you finished yeah, fifth. Yeah, finished fourth. We finished fifth. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that's probably like I'm not taking this away from Everton fans. That's probably one of their biggest achievements, I'd say. I mean, they did they they did do it a couple more times when we went through the the doldrums a little those, bit yeah. with Hodgson when when Dalglish had his full season in charge, and I think Rogers' first season they probably finished above us as well. Yeah. That sounds right in my head. I'd have to check that, but that I know is, that we finished that like seventh. Like that. that was probably one of the first times they've done it, and we're going to receive it for quite a while. Yeah, I think so. I think in terms of like the the Premier League era, that was sort of as particularly because they had been sort of down towards the bottom. Yeah, recently, like that's quite a big thing to then you know finish above a, a Liverpool side that you probably not finished above for a while. Yeah, and I think his his signing. 1.5 million to do that. That again, there's some Everton fans because I know when if Sunderland beat Newcastle, or if Sunderland finish above Newcastle, to them that's like win the Champions League. And I don't know if that's the same for for Everton fans as well. Just finishing above your local rival, especially for the first time, if that is equivalent to them to like winning winning a cup. Obviously, it's not for the players because some of the players probably don't care. But for some of the fans, that is probably a little bit of a a cup final moment sort of thing yeah so I don't know you know 1.5 million to bring a, a trophy in inverted in quotes so, so yeah so, so, something to to celebrate yeah. yeah but yeah I don't I don't think you can get from the from what we've gone through on that list I don't think there's much better at that price point no I would, I would agree with that um, yeah if you're I mean particularly oh, I'd say again even when Tim Cahill was signed most of the time, if you're paying 1.5, if they were paying, if a team was paying 1.5 million for a player, you would be thinking, oh, okay, they're probably towards the bottom of the league, and looking for somebody to like just boost the squad a little bit. Yeah. Or if you're uh, um, towards the top of the league, 1.5 million, it's a younger player, it's somebody that we're taking a chance on, or it's an older player who's just a backup. Yeah. So to have somebody like that coming in and and having that impact is pretty good yeah i mean finished fourth in the table which is the highest position since 1988 yeah there you go so in 2004 five sort of he obviously did a job didn't he he did something yeah um, absolutely yeah and again how many goals did he score did he score 50 goals for everton yeah about that i think yeah. it's 50 56 league ones yeah so 56 was, league goals in was it's like 10 uh eight years eight, yeah so again you know that's what Eight, probably eight goals a season if you include goals yeah. he scored in the cup as About well. About that, eleven in his first league season, which pretty good. Yeah. If you're spending one point four, I mean, just if you're spending one point five million on somebody that you can say, okay, cool, 
if you play sort of like every game this season and look at it in a couple of years he he only played like half of the league matches if he played sort of like the full season he probably would have got over 10 or over in a few seasons which like i say 1.5 million you can come in and score us around 10 goals a season brilliant that's, 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 a, that's a bargain for any yeah definitely. any premier league team at any point of ever really yeah in most most teams have one player that scores what 25 30 goals and the next highest is probably on eight or something apart from yeah and th- yeah and that and that player who scored eight goals costs 15 20 million yeah. something like that yeah. at least and obviously there's 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 been a change in terms of the money in football and the money that's spent within football over the last five ish years but e- even so you know it's still the fact that you would consider the player that you're spending you know a certain amount of money on to you want them to score more than 10 goals so to get somebody in for cheap to do that brilliant yeah yeah it's it's, right. win, it's win-win um, isn't it yeah exactly if 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 your team signed somebody nowadays for like 10 million attacking attack and field forward and they got like 10 goals a season you'd be like that's a great signing oh yeah and obviously like with inflation and like the changing football price and things like that i think that's probably the kind of the level that tim cahill like in terms of like, i know in terms of actual inflation in terms of like the rate of inflation is like it wouldn't probably be up to 10 million that it would have cost but like in, fo- the in inflation, football inflation probably, yeah exactly that's probably what what you would have been looking at, at for him like a, a goal scoring attacking midfielder from the championship could yeah. easily cost that and i think if you got if you paid that for him now and you got that return from him now, you'd say, yeah, yeah. that was a really good signing. Yeah. Um, you yeah. might not consider it as a bargain, but I think, so he for didn't the, cost for that. The goals, it's probably it's like, for an example, because how much did Jared Bowen cost West Ham? Was he about 12 million? I thought it was closer to 20 million, 20. but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. It might have been Newcastle offered 12 million. That's probably why I thought that. But again, like, like he's probably, I'd say, probably the closest, most recent signing, kind of the same from the championship. And is actually, he's doing quite well. Yeah, he, he was 18 million 18 with million. up to 7 million in potential add on, so wow. potentially up to 25 yeah. million. And, you know, yeah, maybe if he's that's not the bargain kind of. Thought, then, but... obviously, obviously, he's he's English as well, so he gets yeah. that, that English tax and yeah. things like that. But if that's the. You know, I think that's a, a good kind of comparison to make in terms of somebody who's played at championship level a lot. I think Bowen would have played in the Premier League briefly for Hull, but not consistently. Yeah. If you're looking at that much for for them now, then yeah, uh, a bargain in that sense. Sort of in terms of what he obviously again football inflation all that and what it cost them, but also in terms of his his impact, I think definitely definitely up there as one of the one of the best bargain signings oh, yeah. in the yeah. Premier League. The quick fire round. In the quick fire seat first, it's Tommy Pittman. Are you ready, Tommy? Ready as I'll ever be. Harry Kuehl or Tim Cahill? I feel like a Liverpool fan, I have to say Harry Kuehl. Cahill's goal v Netherlands or James Rodriguez's goal v Uruguay at 2014 World Cup? Beautiful pronunciation. James <laughs> uh, Rodriguez's goal. Best header of the ball in Premier League history, yes or no? No. And you couldn't see it, but I channeled the Bugs Bunny no gift. Everton legend, yes or no? Yes. Tim Cahill or Gary Cahill? Gary Cahill. Biggest disappointment, losing the FA Cup final in Everton v Chelsea in 2009 or Millwall v Manchester United 2004? For Everton versus Chelsea, because didn't they go ahead in that game? They might have. I'm pretty sure they did. I'm pretty sure they did. Uh, And obviously that's, while still a mismatch, like financially speaking, it's a much closer matchup than... Mill versus Man United is where nobody would have expected them to even reach the final at the start of the competition, let alone win it against Man United. Bicycle kick v Chelsea or bicycle kick v China? The one, the one v Chelsea. The, having looked at the China one, I feel like 
it didn't go where he intended it to. And the, the connection on the bicycle against Chelsea was just nice and BS. It was, that was like a proper thwacking. Cahill's boxing corner flag celebration or Rooney's knockout boxing celebration? The, the Cahill one. Shithouse or not a shithouse? That is the question. I mean, can I particularly remember him being especially shithousey? But I, I'm kind of doing this compared to either other Everton players at the time or players that I consider to be properly shithousey now. And I'm, I'm going to say no. Underrated or overrated? I feel partly because of maybe like his skill set and who he played for. Maybe slightly overrated. Like I think if, if he hadn't been as good at heading a ball, for example, I feel like he would have got less kind of notoriety, shall we say. And I feel like he wouldn't have been as rated as he was if he played for somebody other than Everton. Like, I think if he'd gone somewhere bigger than that, or was, like that's not meant to be disrespectful to Everton, Everton fans, I think he wouldn't have been like talked up as much, which is the nature of it, because he probably wouldn't have been as important part of the team. So overall, slightly overrated, probably just about, but not by much. Squiggy, are you ready for your quick fire round? I'm ready. I was born ready. Let's do this. The quick fire round. Harry Kew or Tim Cahill? Cahill. Cahill's goal v Netherlands or James Rodriguez's goal v Uruguay at 2014 World Cup? I'm going with James Rodriguez. Best header of the ball in Premier League history, yes or no? No. Everton legend, yes or no? I'd probably say so, yeah. Tim Cahill or Gary Cahill? Probably Tim Cahill. Biggest disappointment, losing the FA Cup final in Everton v Chelsea in 2009 or Millwall v Manchester United 2004? I'd probably go with Millwall. Bicycle kick v Chelsea or bicycle kick v China? Versus Chelsea. Cahill's boxing corner flag celebration or Rooney's knockout boxing celebration? The corner flag celebration is iconic. Shithouse or not a shithouse? That is the question. I'm going to go with... Not a shit house. Underrated or overrated? I don't know, because I, f- I feel like, again, he's he's perfectly rated. I wouldn't say he was underrated, and I wouldn't really say he was overrated. If I had to be forced to pick one, I'd probably go overrated, but I think he's perfectly rated. Anyway, that is the debate on Tim Cahill all wrapped up. Thank you for joining us, Tommy. See you again soon. You're, you're very welcome, and in, in honour of the Socceroos, you're very welcome. Good day, mates. Thank you for joining us, Geordie Squires. No problem, Laura. Thanks for having me. And I will see you next time. That was the last episode of Season 1 of Football Beef, but do stay tuned to the feed and make sure to follow as Premier League previews will be coming soon. Goodbye. Football Beef! Not heard the latest about pooping Prime Ministers? What podcast have you been listening to? because it definitely isn't the Totally Buzz podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and totallybuzz.co.uk. So what are you waiting for? Tune in now to hear all the latest news from around the web on the Totally Buzz podcast, the only place to be totes buzzed.